Hi there, and welcome along to episode 103 of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers podcast that is made by the fans for the fans. As I say, episode 103, we've been going strong for a few years now, uh, but if it is your first time, then thank you very much for joining us, and you are, of course, very, very welcome. Uh, there's a huge treasure trove of episodes for you to go back and catch up on. Um, I would say, oh, go and listen to our 100th episode. It was spectacular. We had a big party, but that was the day we drew nil-nil with Livingston, so actually maybe listen to 99 or 101, slightly jollier affairs. Um, if you are new, uh, then please do be aware that the podcast is going out live every Sunday evening at 9.30. We're live right now on YouTube. Uh, and if you want to get involved in the show, please do join us for shows going forward. Uh, leave us your comments, your questions, and we'll get to as many of those as we can. Otherwise, the show is available for download every Monday morning. Uh, and that's on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, and also on Spotify. Uh, so please do download that, subscribe, give us comments, give us wee ratings. Uh, it all helps. Uh, to get the word out on the pod. Um, what also helps getting the word out and, and getting the quality up is having two top drawer guests, and I'm delighted to say that that's what we have this evening. So you'll forgive me for saying that I'm Ross Bennett and you're stuck with me in the driving seat, but thankfully we have got two of the most respected voices in Scottish football. Uh, first of all, I will introduce a chap who apparently is giving up his dream of playing five-a-side professionally uh, to take up hill walking, uh, and today I believe he's now got the record of walking up more hills than Enya. Uh, a very warm welcome to Colin Armstrong. Colin, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm very sore, Ross. The, the top draw comment, by the way. Thank you very much for that. That was uh, that was unexpected. But uh, yeah, I was up Ben Lomond today. First, uh, first Monroe bagged. Me and my daughter were up there. So a uh, good way to sort of spend the Sunday. Although, as I was saying before we came on air, we got lost, quite dramatically lost on the way there. So we ended up over like two hours late getting started and so it meant things were a bit tight coming back. So I'm literally not long in. I'm not long in, and uh, I've not even had my shower yet. And I'm sitting here providing some top draw uh, content for for the show tonight. Well, it, we'll we'll try and do top draw content. I've been sort of racking my brains for the last couple of days trying to scrabble together a few different topics of conversation that we can discuss tonight to try and eke out an hour of, of podcast. Um, if it gets kind of a bit sketchy at around about 10 o'clock. I might ask you to recount the full tale of you getting lost around Ben Lomond, but <laughs> hopefully we don't get to that. Um, also with us this evening, and uh, as always, I'm very, very delighted to welcome him along. Uh, it's probably the only journalist that I've ever heard a Rangers fan describe as not being controlled by Peter Lowell. It's Stuart Weir. Stuart, how are you this evening? <laughs> I'm doing, doing very well, actually. Um, I have to say I'm... Uh, always impressed at anyone who manages to you know climb up hills or mountains that are over 3,000 feet and then start making notes of how many they've actually bagged so to speak um, I know there, there are some people or some people I do know who are have written books on the subject and are into hundreds of them so you've got a long way to go but uh, it's good to see you've started I'm at, number, I'm, at, I'm at number five, so I, I do have a long way. I've got one Monroe, <laughs> but we've, we've got four other hills under our belt. Can I just say something as well, Ross? Uh, it was like the, the Ben Lohman Celtic Supporters Club up there the other day. Every second person had the hoops on. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> I was just like, this is murder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 not that bothered when it comes to the sort of religious divide in, in Glasgow. But even I was going, there's no many Protestants up this hill, is there? <laughs> Celtic tops galore. It's it's funny you say that because um, myself and my partner today were we're looking to um, move house soon. So we were driving around uh, another wee corner of London, having a look at it, looking at you know potential properties. What's the high street like? What's all the amenities like in the area? And we drove past two folk in Celtic tops and just went, right, not, not moving here. This is getting a big tick <laughs> off the list. A big um, tick, aye. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, that's the kind of barometer for places that I want to go. Also on the drive there, we saw a sticker for a London Emerald Supporters Club and I thought, absolutely boking on that. So it it's, is, it's, 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 tr- it's true what they say, they're like rats. You know what I mean? You're never more than six feet away from one of them. Mm. Aye. And they live in the sewers. Um, right, gents, as, as we've kind of alluded to, I think there's, there's, there might be a wee bit of padding in this podcast as uh, there's not been a great deal of Rangers topics going on. Um, we're going to have a wee look at the international break and, and the Rangers representation that's been going on over the last few days. Um, we'll also take some time to reflect on the season so far and the current state of the squad uh, and then take a little look at, at the plans for Edmondson House uh, or new Edmondson House, should I say. Um, that have been released recently and, and maybe start thinking about what else we can do in the run-up to the 150th anniversary of the club next year. Um, so with that in mind, obviously, it, it is an international break. Uh, and I know that that can be very challenging for folk like myself who, who, who live and breathe Rangers and don't really care too much about the, the Scotland national team. Um, I will tend to watch with a kind of casual apathy uh, and then, you know, want Scotland to do well, but don't begrudge Israel when they score quite a lovely little finish as well. Um, but Colin, this international break, I think there's been a marked increase in the number of Rangers players being called away for international duty. We've got um, three from the club in, in the Scotland squad, Robbie McCrory being there as well, obviously out on loan at the moment. Um, we've got players in Croatia, players in Finland, uh, players in Sweden as well. Um, and then a, a very, very healthy representation at youth level on top of that. So it's, it probably is the greatest level of Rangers players being sent away for international duty for a good number of years. Is that a good indication of how far the squad has come and the quality of player that we now have at the club? I would, I would think it is, really. Yeah, you know, if, if you look back over history, there's, there's been a couple of occasions in, in, in my period supporting the club where, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of international players. Now, for me, international football is... You know, enjoy the World Cup finals and the, the, the Euros and all the rest of it. It sort of fills a summer, but I have to admit, I don't have, uh, you know, much interest in it during the qualifying period. Everything that's happened with, uh, you know, the SFA and the Scottish national team and, and the Tartan Army. And, you know, I, I used to I used to quite enjoy when Scotland played, you know, because you, you kind of down tools and the, on the usual rivalries and everybody met up and we all supported the one team. It hasn't felt like that for a long, long time. And I've genuinely lost interest in Scotland. We've, we've discussed this before in the pod. And I've even watched the game on Friday night. I think I watched about five minutes of it. And then me and my daughter stuck a, stuck a movie on. But the fact that Rangers have so many players on international duty would suggest you know, that we're, we're improving on that front. It's, it's, we're kind of damned if we do and damned if we don't. You know what I mean? When... When we don't have a huge amount of players on there, I'm always like, oh God, we don't have many international players and that means we're shy and all the rest of it. But when we, you do have players of that quality, 
you're grumbling because they're getting pulled away and you worry about getting, you know maybe picking up an injury. I always remember McCoy's breaking his leg for Scotland. You know, it is what it is. But I, I think most of the teams that are successful, most of most of your clubs that are successful, will have a healthy uh, amount of internationalists in there. So as much as it's a pain, and as much as I, I don't like to see the players go out and play their trade elsewhere and risk getting injured, I think it does show that the, the clubs in probably a healthier position player-wise than it's been for a while. You know, there was, there was a period not that long ago we didn't have any internationals. When I was growing up in the, in the 80s and Rangers were struggling, we only had David Cooper at one point. You know, and we didn't really win. We certainly didn't win any leagues at that point. You know, but when Terry Butchers and, you know, your Chris Foods and all these other guys came, all these other international players, we started to win. So hopefully the same thing will happen this time. You know, we've, we've got more internationalists in the, in the setup. As I said, I don't like to see them go out the door and play their trade elsewhere for a, for, for a week or two. But I think, to answer your question, it does show that the club is, is in is a healthier position it's been player-wise for a good number of years. Yeah, and it's it, it's good in terms of raising the profile of the club as well. Obviously, uh, you send players like Borna Barisic off to, to play in the Nations League, playing at the very top level. And to be fair, the Croatia side was somewhat humiliated by a very, very good Portugal team. But... It is, uh, you know, I think it's a it's, it's a nice thing to look and see your players going off and, and representing, you know, top teams across Europe, not not kind of the the real dregs of, of European competition, but there's some good teams there. Teams obviously who qualified for European competition, qualified for the Euros. Um, it's it, I think it's very healthy to see that we as a top club should be littered with top players who represent their country. Um, but you make an interesting point there, Colin, about how there have been times when there have been weak Rangers squads and that hasn't hasn't led to representation in, in the national team. And actually looking at our squad at the moment, obviously only two current Rangers first team players have made the Scotland squad. Stuart, I heard on the radio again yesterday that there were more calls, particularly as we move into a kind of post-EU, um, a post-EU Britain, that player... Um, what am I trying to say? You know, importing of foreign and overseas players, the rules on that could change, and that could have a knock-on effect in terms of domestic player registration rules. And that, particularly in England, the, the English FA is looking at again uh, introducing mandatory minimum numbers of homegrown players in their squads. Do you think that similar rules such as that in, in Scotland could be introduced, saying okay, if three out of your starting eleven have to be homegrown at club, or five have to be homegrown in the country? Um, do you think that those kind of rules could help the national team? And if so, would it also hinder the progress of clubs like Rangers and Celtic? Um, we did have that uh, in a form going back to the early 90s when you had to have assimilated players playing in Europe, at European level. Therefore, you had the, the what was known as the three foreigner rule, which meant that in the early 90s, when Walter Smith had just uh, become manager, Rangers had a pretty deliberate policy then of going out and signing Scottish players and could go out and sign the best Scottish players. So, you know, yeah, you had uh, the likes of David Robertson, uh, Alan McLaren, guys like that suddenly um, becoming Rangers players. Andy Gorham was another, simply because Rangers needed them for European competition. And, and to be honest... I think if you can sign the biggest and best um, domestically, then 
you I've always thought you'd probably you probably strengthen your hand, probably strengthen your team. Um, I think if you look at some of the the best Rangers teams over the years, there has been a good, you know, a good spattering of Scotland internationals in that team. Um, so I don't think it does you, you any harm. I think the, the the thing about international football just now, which is utterly alien to just about everyone and every nation, is that there are guys playing international football who haven't really played very many games for their country. We might be slightly different in Scotland, but you know, ultimately, the, there are international matches being played here between teams who are at all different levels in terms of whether they've started the season, you know, how you know how far into the season they are, and it's difficult to gauge. Difficult to gauge actually where some of the players are at. I think when it comes to international football in general. You know, uh, is it a good thing that there's an international break just now? I, I don't really know, because if you ask me the same in October or you ask me the same again in November or March or whenever, I would probably come up with the same answer, because in terms of players, I've heard it over the years that international breaks are uh, unwanted distractions because they, they kind of break momentum. I've also heard that... that they are um, pleasant distractions because they get you away from the domestic action and let you concentrate on something else for for a bit. Um, and you know, and I've 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 seen I've heard that from players and managers. So I think I think it's actually how you're feeling at the time. I think if you've maybe had a run of games where you haven't been playing particularly well. Um, and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to find a bit of form and trying to get your game together. I don't think you'd be wanting an international break. Equally, you could say that when you do have a run of form, you don't want your, your, uh, you know, your the, the style of play or the type of play uh, that you're putting together broken in any way, shape, or form by international matches because then it becomes an unwanted distraction. So, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see how the Rangers players who have been away on international duty now return back to Ibrox uh, after this this break to see if they can pick up, you know, where they've left off. You've you sort of preempted my next question there, Stuart. Is is that that point around momentum um, and and whether the international break is a help or a hindrance? If we think about Rangers' current situation, we've had, uh, in my view, a very very strong start to the season. Obviously, kind of matching records in terms of our defensive capacity this season um, and it seems to me that you know, I've said on the pod before I think momentum is one of the most important things in football in, in league football um, and, and the impact of momentum should never be overstated. Now to me it seems Rangers have had very strong very good momentum had picked up some decent results in places that we struggled before and Celtic, on the other hand, were really grinding out results and were struggling to put together decent performances. Um, Celtic also, you know, because of the COVID situation, are, are have a points disadvantage and they're, they're chasing to try and, and make that up, albeit with a couple of games in hand. It seems to me that Rangers would not be welcoming this international break as much as Celtic might be because it does give them a chance to regroup and refocus. Do you think that that's fair? Yeah, I mean, you know, as I, as I mentioned, you know, a couple of minutes ago, there, it it depends on your mindset. I mean, as I say, 
I have seen players who are absolutely flying before an international break, but think they need that a, a break away from club football simply because they know that when they come back they have they, they have to refocus again and therefore they're looking to pick up where they left off and continue how they've been playing um and other players want away just to just to forget how the season's actually going so i, I don't think there's a, a a definitive answer to to that one what i would say about about Rangers just now is that I do think this is a chance for Steven Gerrard to to sort of wave farewell to a lot of his players, say, you know, go and do your bit for your country and I'll see you back here uh, in a fortnight and sort of be waiting at the door for them as they, they step through the door just to remind them of what they were doing or what they'd achieved before they'd gone away and make it known they expect he expected more of the same from them now that they were back and and and, and again sometimes sometimes you need a break just to take stock this is an interesting international break as well because it comes buying smack in the middle of a transfer window as well and you know does this give rangers a chance in terms of recruitment does it give them a chance to do some housekeeping when various players are away um, and maybe try and work it, get another couple of players out the door so they can bring somebody else in. You know, I think at times we might be saying that on the pitch we didn't really want this, but equally it could be a time where the likes of Steven Gerrard and his backroom staff are saying, yeah, this is a good good chance just to reset, get some business uh, done and dusted, and then kick on from from where we are in the table. Uh, only time will tell. And, you know, the next time Rangers take to the pitch, we'll certainly know whether this has been a good or a bad thing. I think you make a, a very interesting point there, Stuart, about mentality and, you know, the, the actual the outcome from this international break might depend on the mentality of the players. Now, Colin, we've questioned or discussed the mentality as, as a bit of a running theme throughout our previous 102 episodes, so let's carry on here. Unfortunately, Rangers players have shown that even when they have a lot of momentum, if, if there's a prolonged gap or absence from football, um, they might not have the mentality to pick it up and, and keep running with it. And I'm, I'm thinking back to the last two winter breaks in particular, where we ended the first half of the season very, very strong and then capitulated in January, February. Is there a danger that a sort of mini version of, of that absence hangover might might rear its head here. Yeah, we hope not. I mean, because we went through the, the winter breaks at the same point last season. I mean, the winter breaks tend to come at the same time most seasons. So we'd, we'd had these kind of small breaks already. So you would hope we would not come back in the same sort of state that we came back from Dubai. I, I mean, there's all sorts of rumours as to why that was. I suppose we'll never know. Uh, but no, I would like to think uh, that you know the players are ticking over in terms of fitness. You know well, the ones that are on international duty are. So no, I would hope that given we've, we've had these sort of winter, you know, winter breaks, uh, international breaks before, it's you know just a week or whatever that, they, that they'll come back and, and keep going. So that's the hope. Uh, and there's no winter break this year, so hopefully you know the, the, the small international breaks that do come along won't break that momentum. 
Uh, I, I, and I, I've said this before and, and a couple of weeks ago in one of the pods that, you know, given the, the mentality issues that we've, we've had in the past, I think no supporters being there at the moment is maybe benefiting one or two guys, you know, because Ibrox can be a difficult place to to, 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 to play for Rangers, you know, if, if things aren't going well. I mean, I, I genuinely think sometimes as a support, we are totally unrealistic and we do the opposite at times of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to support the team. We're supposed to be that 12th man. We're supposed to carry them over the line. And I just think too many Rangers supporters at times think, well, you know, it's Dunfermline or it's whoever the day they should be two or three and up by 20 minutes. And when that doesn't happen, they, they, they come they come on you know they come down hard on, on, on the team. Some players can deal with that. So, you know, they, they don't bother. You know, I think all your sort of stronger players in Rangers history are the ones that were able to deal with that. Some can't and, and some start playing within themselves, taking the easy option and maybe not taking a wee chance and trying to create something. So yeah, I, I think no supporters at Ibrox, don't get me wrong, away from home, I think it could be different. Although you could argue that works in our favour as well, because you know, going to Pitodri a couple of weeks ago was was a canter compared to what it normally is. You know, you're normally getting dogs abuse uh, up at Pitodri. So I think the no supporter thing could maybe help a couple of those players. You know, deal with the pressure, and then gradually supporters come back in. Hopefully, they'll have enough behind them, enough belief to, behind them to to deal with the you know the stick and all the rest of it when it eventually does come back. So. Yeah, I think they've showed good momentum so far. I would hope that the, an international break wouldn't disrupt that. There's no winter break, so again, that wouldn't dis- disrupt the momentum. And there's no supporters at the moment, and I think that could help a few years players. So I, I, I think a lot of stuff is kind of going in our favour at the moment. And, and hopefully, as I said, I don't think it will. I don't think uh, this current break will, will disrupt that momentum. That's very good to hear. Um, Stuart, uh, as I alluded to earlier, in, in my opinion, it's been a very strong opening phase of this season. Uh, two points dropped, a very healthy goal difference and no goals conceded. Um, as the league table sort of starts to take shape, what's been your overriding view and opinion of, of this first section of the season so far? That Rangers play better without fans. <laughs> <laughs> that, they, that, I, that I don't think you know. I think the I think what was mentioned there about the the levels of pressure being applied. I think some you know, I think some players are affected deeply affected by that, and it might be that they're able to focus better on the just on on winning games and playing football just now. Than worrying about how uh, the, the the fans are going to re- respond to them, you know, I, I, I'm I'm interested in what Colin was saying there, and as much as it will be interesting once the fans do start to come back into Ibrox, first of all, how they get behind the team and what if, if there is criticism of the team, what that will be, but also how the players handle that as well. And I think Rangers have made a good start to the season. I think that they have picked up results um, and and three points in most of the matches without looking spectacularly brilliant at times. You know, I think I think they've managed to be very competent in their performances, get the job done, 
uh, without having to push themselves or indeed without being pressed too much. Uh, I think, you know, when push comes to shove, it might be that we'll see just what this Rangers side are actually uh, made of. But just now, it's been a it's a decent start. And again, you know, when Steven Gerrard is maybe being critical of um, the wastefulness in front of goal, maybe not taking as many chances, and that's about the only thing he's, got, he's had to pick up on this far, then I think that must mean that you've made a pretty good start to the season. The Livingston game, bit of an aberration, you know, but then again, I, I honestly don't think, I think that's doing it in the mindset. I think people actually turned up there thinking to themselves, this is going to be difficult and we don't really like playing here without actually just going out and trying to win the game first and foremost. The the other games since then, you know, Kilmarnock was a pretty regulation 2-0 victory as was the game against Hamilton Naki. So whatever Rangers have been asked to do this far, they've done, I think it'll be more testing now uh, simply because they'll have a bit of a target on themselves because they're, they're at the top of the table and because I would imagine the games are now going to start getting a bit more difficult. So we, we find ourselves, uh, Stuart, sort of sticking with this mentality theme and and yourself and Colin do seem to agree that Rangers are playing better and that the, the absence of fans has actually been a positive in terms of the, the results on pitch. And, and that brings us back to a long-standing conversation about mentality and, and, you know, can players cope with the weight of the shirt? And, you know, obviously we've got a captain who was signed from Wigan who will not have experienced pressure like this anywhere else in his career and even admitted in his programme notes that he's him and his team are not coping well with the pressure last season. Um, I think there's a question that's been asked a number of times before, but in your opinion, is there anything that needs to be done in terms of recruitment that can identify players that can cope with the weight of the shirt so that we don't have to worry about the impact of our own fans on the team. Look, look at the Rangers team. I mean, I, I think the, the situation of who plays up front has to be resolved one way or another. And I think the sooner that happens, the better. Um, I think that it has... I, I think Rangers need a midfielder who can get into the penalty box and contribute either as a creator or as a goal scorer. Um, I, I think that Rangers have been crying out for that for a couple of seasons. Um, I mean, I'm quite impressed with the way that Ryan Kent has started the season. It's almost as if, you know, he's been told since the, since the off and he's taken it on board and, and as a result has upped his game, that you are our potential match winner in every game. You, you know, it doesn't matter whether you want to play in the left, through the middle, or on the the, the right. Um, we'll accommodate and, and shuffle around to let you play wherever it is you want. He almost, he almost has, has played like a spare man at times. And I think we've seen um, over the, the first couple of weeks of the season that he's responded to that challenge and he's played pretty well. But I do think midfield-wise, you know, I, I think Rangers could be doing with somebody who is able... I mean, Steven Gerrard was able to play as both an attacking midfielder and a holding midfielder. Um, he was able to boss the game almost in the sort of quarterback position, but he was also able, able to get forward and, and score goals. 
don't, you know, I don't think, I don't think he would be so lucky as to find somebody in his image. But that's a kind of player I think that Rangers are crying out for, just, just to, just to give a, a another threat in front of goal, but also to give, you know, the opposition something else to contend with. Um, whether that comes around or not, I'm, I'm not sure. I think there, I think there's a deficiency uh, in the in the midfield at Ibrox in that position. And even though you look at it, and you see, well, he could do this or he could do that. I don't think there's anybody there who is a natural in that position. And these guys, cost, these guys usually cost money and cost a lot of money. But you would have to think that you know, given the way that Ryan Kent came into the Rangers team. To start with, as a as a loanee, and then eventually be signed, that there be there be teams in England or in the continent with players that could fulfil that that role. So whether whether he wants to change the the model of the team or whether he wants to change it, you know, that you're only with more like one holding midfield player. I, I'm I'm not sure, but I do think just even to, to augment the squad. Would be that would be a, a useful kind of acquisition at this time. Colin, coming to you, um, what's been your kind of key takeaway from from the start of the season so far, and really how do you rate the the performances of the team, but also the the position that they find themselves in in the league? Yeah, well, I think overall you have to say, you know, what was it six games, five wins, uh, one draw, uh, scoring plenty and not conceded any. I, 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 I'm struggling to find a negative and all that, and it it strikes me as a wee bit typical. It, it, some within the support. I mean, I've got one mate in particular. Uh, you know, of all the positivity that's been sort of happening so far this season, you know, it just focuses on that one draw. You know, and, and that's what he talks about. He just talks about ah, but that 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 Livingston game. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. And look, the Livingston game was disappointing. You know, but you know, I, 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 I genuinely feel that Livingston made it really difficult for us that day. It was almost like a back six when we were playing at times. And we just couldn't break them down. And other teams have gone there and struggled to do that. Hamilton last week, you know, they were a wee bit more open and, you know, we've won fairly comfortably. I think overall uh, we've looked very good this season. I think the fact that we're not conceding goals is a great thing, you know. That uh, I always remember Stuart Monroe uh, when he was at Rangers saying that when when Graham Sunnis arrived, uh, that was the first thing that that, that Sunnis dealt with was the defence, because Sunnis's argument was, if you don't concede goals, a team like like Glasgow Rangers will always score. And I, I know goal scoring has probably been the problem for us the last couple of years. You know, we have been solid defensively, but to up that again, uh, you know. It means that at, at, at the current moment, if, if we score one goal, we're going to win the game. You know, if we're defending to, to this kind of level for the most part of the season, you know, if we get one goal, then there's a good chance we're going to win the game. Uh, and Ruth and Itten have come in and they look like they're going to be good acquisitions. Itten, I'm still not sure, not in terms of him as a player, I'm just not quite sure, you know, what his role is and, and, and where he fits within the team. I've got real high hopes for Ruth. I think he looks a good, good player. And once he gets up to speed, uh, I think he'll, 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 he'll score goals for us. So I, 
I don't get where some of the negativity is coming from. I don't think we're, we're, we're two points away from a perfect start. And we've not conceded any goals. Yeah, some of the performances have, have you know, been a bit, a bit patchy. But, you know, you look at any championship winning season, especially under like Walter Smith. You know what I mean? There's so many games where we were poor and we just scrapped a 1-0 or a 2-1 and boom, move on to the next game. And these, these points... You know, they stack up and that's what gets you prizes. You're not going to batter teams every single game. You're going to get out there sometimes and players are a wee bit off it. And it's the old saying, and, and you know, and I've said it countless times on the pod, you just need to find a way. When you, you can't win it the way you want to win it, you just need to find a way to win it and get the points and then move on to the next game. Uh, so I, 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 there are aspects of some of our performances I think we need to improve on. I think Stephen Gerrard and the players would accept that. But if you'd offered me this at the international break at the start of the season, particularly not conceding, I'd have bitten your hand off, you know what I mean? Especially when you consider, you know, I, I, I think it's too early to say that we're in crisis, but Celtic definitely appear to be going through a wee period of disruption at the moment. And so, given that and how we've performed, yeah, I'm delighted. It's a long way to go, but so far, so good. But equally, Colin, you, I mean, you're saying there about maybe grinding out results. Equally, anybody who's watched Rangers over a number of years will have seen Rangers winning four or five nil at times. And then on their way home, or whether you're sitting in the press box writing about it or, you know, summarising it, say to yourself, well, I never thought that was going to be a four nil or a five nil. You know what I mean? It's sometimes you score goals in games where you haven't really played particularly well, and other 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 times you'll have played other teams off the park and maybe managed to win or scrape home, you know, one nil. I just think just now it might be actually easier easier to scrutinise what Rangers are doing simply because you're having to watch the games on TV with no atmosphere and concentrate and focus on, on what they're actually doing on the pitch, which means that you see, you know, you see all the sort of rough edges and the flaws in the performances. I think it's been very difficult for every team to to, to have any, um, you, you know, really any, any real spark about their game just now, something because of the circumstances we find them playing in. But equally... I think Rangers have made an impressive start. And if you go through the, the, the record books and you look back at, you know, even title-winning Rangers teams in the start that they made, this is as good a start as, as anybody has made over a, a, a period of years. So, again, there's a lot to, a lot to take out of this, um, this far for Rangers. But I think the, the real test, the real challenges are, are just around the corner. I'd like to um, pick up on, on something you mentioned there, Stuart, and, and we'll get back to the kind of the questions about the, the state of the squad and um, the, the season to come in a moment. But just as you mentioned, a slightly different perspective on things when you're not sat in the stands, you're not sat in the press box and you see the game differently. Um, it's got me wondering, obviously, with us sat at home and, and watching the games on telly or on Rangers TV, as a, as a fan, are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying this new way of watching Rangers? In in general, and actually in general, if I watch games on TV, I I tend not to watch them with any commentary or the sound on. <laughs> I just watch the actual game. I might be quite strange at that. I mean, you hear you hear people saying, "Oh, I, I just kind of get used to this football, just hearing 
the noisy, you know, of the paper blowing around the stadium. To be honest, I, I think at times people, um, obviously they've never watched any reserve matches um, in, their, in their time watching football. Otherwise, they, they would be, you know, they'd be used to that. I think it's, do I enjoy it? Mm, I'm, I'm not sure I could say I, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm maybe watching it through different eyes, so to say, and uh, you know, and, and that you actually look at what players are actually doing and you notice more about um, what players are doing. For instance, if you if you look at uh, um, Rangers midfield-wise, you can see that Stephen Davis is has has more about his game than than others. You can see that others take an easy option when it comes to trying to find a pass or trying to make a run or trying to find a space. And and I think sometimes you actually notice it. Am I enjoying it? I I can't say I'm enjoying it. Um, as much as I would do if it was a full stadium and if you were sitting in the middle of 10 or 20 or 30 or 50,000 people, I, I, I can't really say say that. I think you know the time is coming for a great many people that they need to see football in the flesh again. They need to see it live because it's, it's quite sanitised um, the way it is just now. And if anything... You know, a great many people were saying, well, once people start watching football on the TV, they'll never go back to the games. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, this is actually, you know, even more than normal. I am really looking forward to getting back to football live and with people around me rather than just sitting, you know, studying it um, for for two or two and a half hours on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon. Um, the quicker it's back to you know live football, uh, and you can turn up for a game, the better. As far as I'm concerned, I, I completely agree, Stuart. To to the extent that last weekend, um, I, I think the rules down here in England are are, are different to up in Scotland, but at, at a certain level of the non-league, so the, the junior structure, um, they started letting fans back in up to a certain percentage of the ground capacity. Uh, and as soon as I heard that, I was looking for a game I could go to. So last weekend, I went to watch a pre-season friendly between Kershalton Athletic and Tunbridge Angels, um, just because the drive to watch, the, like the desire and, and the kind of lust to go and watch some live football again was that strong. Um, that being said, I still left 15 minutes early so that I could <laughs> time to watch the Rangers game on the telly. Colin, for yourself as well, I mean, obviously, I, I, a season ticket holder in... Uh, in the Copeland rear, a massive change to your weekly routine, uh, weekend routine, I suppose. How, how are you enjoying this new way of experiencing Rangers? Uh, well, first thing, I'm, I'm in the Govan rear. Uh, secondly, I, 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 I can't say I enjoy it. And I, I think fans been in there add a bit of drama and edge to it. You know, even just the, the, the noise that they generate. There, there was an incident in the in the game at Pretodre. Uh, I can't remember the player who was, but it looked like he was he was clean through uh, against us. And Balogun came across and, and sort of sorted it out. And, but, you know, if the fans were in there, you know, once it looked like he was through, you know, all the home fans would be on their feet. And that generates, you know, fear in you. You think, oh, shite, they're in. 
and it just wasn't there. And even and even when Kent scored, like I sort of high five the boy and gave him a wee cuddle and all the rest of it. Now you compare that to when Ryan Jack scored up there when we went two nothing up. Uh, you know, I think Arfield and Jack scored when we went two nothing up. Me and the boy were rolling about the floor. You know what I mean? It was just like yes, absolutely jumping about. Whereas the other week there, when there was no fans. It just doesn't. It it just doesn't cut it. I don't think. I mean, I understand that, that that's how it has to be at the moment, and it's frustrating. Uh, but it, it's it's definitely not the same. I, I, I don't care what anybody says. And I, I kind of I, I felt for Liverpool through all this. You know, after thirty years, you know, <laughs> when they did win it, you know, it was in an empty stadium and all that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I mean, it is what it is, and it, I enjoy having it back. Uh, but it's, it's certainly nowhere near what I'm used to. I mean, football's all about, you know, as, as people say, it's a family and all the rest of it. It's, it's certainly a community, you know what I mean? And I sit next to the same guys. I sit next to my son and a couple of other guys that sit around about me. And so you, you, you chat away and you get to know people and they become friends and therefore when Rangers score, you celebrate more because you're celebrating these moments with your friends and pals and all the rest of it. And that's kind of what you look forward to. You look forward to that interaction with your mates as well. So, no, it's not the same. Uh, I, I miss getting into the city. I miss the buzz. I miss, uh, I miss Ibrox. I mean, I've, not, I've not been to Ibrox since this all started. You know what I mean? I've, I've, I think I've only been into Glasgow City Centre once since all this started. So, aye, it's not the same. Is it good to have it back? Yeah. Because it, it gives you something to focus on at the weekends, and uh, you know we're all Rangers supporters, and we all want to see them do well, and it's good to have them back. But is it the same? No, it's it's not even uh, comparable, in my opinion. It's, it's it's night and day. I think I think that's a, a good way of putting it. That said, what I will say is that the quality on Rangers TV has obviously there's been a lot of investment into that, and the output from that has has notably improved, and that's no slight on people like Tom Miller, who I think has done a wonderful job for the club for a number of years. Um, but I'm glad to see that as the demand for Rangers TV has increased, so too has the quality of product. Um, gents, finally on the on the squad, and I'll, I'll stick with you for this one, Colin. Um, the league table is starting to take shape now, and, and the teams that you expect to finish towards the top in the European places are, are, are kind of edging towards those positions. And the teams at the bottom of the table are teams that you might expect down there. Um, obviously, there's still the, the situation of Aberdeen and Celtic having a couple of games in hand thanks to the stupidity of their playing staff. Um, but the, the league really is starting to, to form in the way that we would expect it to do so. We've, we've all discussed or, or suggested that the need to strengthen in certain areas, but I think it's probably fair to say now that that's not going to happen unless we move at least one playing asset out of the door, and that, that will probably be Mr Morelos. If that doesn't happen, Colin, and we have to stick with the squad that we have, do you have confidence that this group of players, uh, fans or no fans, has the quality and the mentality necessary to win the league this season? Uh, if, if Mr Morelos was to stay, I think that might cause us a problem because... You know, as much as we all love him and as much as he's he's done such a great job for Rangers, I, I think his heart is totally set on on getting his move. Uh, and if that doesn't happen, then I, I don't quite know where he would be mentally and whether he would become uh, a bit of a, 
a problem within the dressing room because it strikes me as someone who doesn't deal with doesn't deal with that sort of stuff well. You know, his body language recently and the sort of strops that he has. I, I don't think I don't think Stephen Gerrard would want that in the dressing room. I certainly wouldn't be keen to have that in the dressing room. So if he does stay, not only does it pose a financial issue in terms of we're not getting the money in to, to, to go and look at new players, it's leaving you with a potentially unhappy player and I think that could cause problems. So I would hope that that deal can be done and done soon and then we can look to, to, to getting people in who you know, want to be here. And again, I'm not trying to have a go at Morelos. You know, he's, he's done well over the last couple of years. I just feel he's... He's done with us. I, I think he wants to go. I have a slight suspicion that the relationship between him and Gerard is all but done, in my opinion. You know, that there's been a couple of occasions in, in the friendlies and some of the games so far, you know, whenever there's a substitution, you know, Gerard always comes out and thanks whoever's coming off. There's been a couple of occasions when he hasn't done that with Morelos. Maybe reading too much into it, but I, I, I feel there's an issue between the two of them. I, I, I think Gerard was done with him when he never came back in, in a good enough shape for the, the Harps Cup tie in February. I think that was a huge game for him as manager. You know, the, the season was was unravelling at that point. It was already looking like that this could be potentially our only hope of, of silverware. And your top goal scorer comes back overweight and, you know, late and, and, and he has to, you know, discipline him and take him out the side. So I, I think... I, I think that at that point Gerard was done with Morella. So I think it would be beneficial for everyone concerned. But if we thank him for his his efforts and his goals so far and get a good fee for him and, and, and let him go, I think if he was to stay, I think that could impact on the dynamic within the dressing room. He's become a, he's become a distraction, hasn't he? And the whole thing has become a distraction. And then Rangers go and sign another two strikers, which makes the whole situation even more of a distraction because you then start debating who is actually going to play up front and why these guys have been signed. I think, you know, listen, I think as soon as, as um, Ruth and, and uh, Itten walked through the door, that was, you know, they could have basically had a revolving door and sent Morellas out the other way, um, assuming they get the right, the right fee for them. Because I think at that point in time, and given how... Um, Rangers have operated under Steven Gerrard with like, playing with one striker. It, you know, you don't need four strikers if you're only ever going to play with one. And even if, you know, they fourth get back to fitness, if Morelos wasn't there, even if you wanted to play two strikers, you still have enough scope and a bit of strength and depth to be able to do that. So I think, you know, I think Colin's absolutely right in what he's saying there. I think we are now looking at Morelos going out the door at Ibrox. But I, I, I think, to be honest, this has been a long, drawn-out process because I think if Rangers had the option, if there was such a thing as a, a transfer window in February or March or whenever it was, I think it had been gone then. It's it's going to be a difficult thing because, obviously, I, I think you're both absolutely spot on, but I think it's quite obvious to a, you know an outsider looking in that that relationship between Morelos and Gerard seems to be damaged and the Morelos uh, very much is making moves to, to engineer his, his way out of the club. And so that puts the selling club in quite a weak position. I think buying clubs could already sort of say, well, our finances are damaged by COVID. We can't pay as much as we would normally pay. Um, 
plus the fact that the player doesn't want to be there. That puts the selling club in a very difficult position, being able to hold out for the higher offer. Um, there's been a long-running saga about Lille. And obviously, we know that there was um, substantive bids made from Lille. And I'm, I'm glad to see that the club didn't just accept the first bid that came along. Um, but if if the club has now moved to kind of kill off that interest and move Lille on to other targets, um, again, look, there's been little bits of gossip about him going to Porto or moving to those clubs in Germany, apparently interested. Um, I agree that he will go this this window. Of course, we found ourselves on, on the Jersey Net show saying that before about Morelos in, in previous windows. We think he's on his way out. But this time, it sort of feels like there's a certain inevitability and finality about the whole thing. I just very much hope that the club, the club have been kind of begged by fans over the last probably five years to stop underselling our assets and to, to drive a hard bargain. And it's it's something that the team across the other end of the city do very, very well, is talk up their players and get uh, very good financial returns for them. We don't seem to have been able to do that for a number of years now. And the, the fans have rightly criticised the club for doing so. And that's why I think we were all quite happy to see Rangers knock back opening offers from Lille if they weren't meeting expectations. What we hope now is that that doesn't backfire in terms of scaring off Leo who move on to our other targets. And then later on in the window, we end up having to accept a lower offer just so that we can recoup something and, and offset. I think there will be a degree of offsetting the spend that we've already made on Itten and on Hadji and on Kamar Roof because it's a lot of money that's been spent. And I think a, a degree of that was banking on some money coming in from Morelos. Um, he's certainly, I don't think he's going to be putting in many more top drawer performances for Rangers to drive up the value uh, in the coming weeks. So it's, it's certainly a, a difficult position for any club, but I, I think we've all been impressed with the, the business done by Ross Wilson so far. And, and let's hope that that continues and he earns himself a nice wee Christmas bonus. Um, gents, the, the final thing I want to discuss today, uh, obviously in, in the lack of Rangers on-field action, we have had some interesting developments off the pitch in terms of uh, the physical redevelopment of Edmiston House. Um, now, obviously, this is a building that in the past has played a very, very important commercial role to Rangers, acting as a kind of a, um, a social club type function. And, and um, Colin, you were saying just before we came on air that that's where they used to house the, the ticket office and the Rangers pools, um, amongst other things. Uh, now, it's been lying empty for a number of years now, but Rangers have now launched their plans to... Uh, essentially knock down and rebuild new Edmondson House. And um, uh, within that, there will be contained the cafe, um, the new kind of Castor Rangers megastore over two floors, a concert venue, and also a Rangers museum. Now, Stuart, I think that that sounds fantastic in, in theory. Um, but <laughs> is there a good... <laughs> I'm going to be very, very cynical here and, and maybe playing devil's advocate a wee bit. If you build something like a, a Rangers museum, you will get massive amounts of foot traffic in the first two months as every Rangers fan rushes to see it, but then potentially never visits again. So after that first six month period, will anyone ever actually make use of that facility? Um, I, I think I think any mention of a museum or a hall of fame or whatever it might be, to be, to be honest, I think you need something that can be visited. However, I f equally, I think that given where we're, we're at in terms of technology and the likes, 
I think there's a lot to be said for having virtual access to something like this. So I would I would like um I would like there to be as a you know as a football fan, a football historian, somebody who enjoys the you know looking at football through the ages and especially what players have achieved in the light. I would like Rangers to spend time and actually do this go through the process properly of one what they're trying to achieve and secondly what it'll take to achieve it. I think if you look at you know boxing's uh hall of fame and other um similar uh facilities in the, the USA, uh, you know, whether it's individual NFL teams or basketball teams or whether it's golf, as I say, boxing, baseball and the likes. I think there's a lot to be able a lot to 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 learn. The other thing is that if you do it properly and you you do put in a facility, you want to make it that if somebody's in Glasgow and they're a football fan, it's something you want them to come and see. If you're going to do that, you want it to be the best, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use the, the, the phrase here, the best experience possible, because that's what it's all about. So it doesn't really matter where you go in the world. If you're going to look at something, you want whatever Rangers put in to be as, you know, on a par with anything that anybody else has got. Do I think Rangers will achieve that? History tells me that... Um, I, I might be still found, um, or they might still be found wanting on that. I think what fans want to see and what the club maybe wants to let them see is it might be two different things. To, to that end, I would much prefer that Rangers found outside funding, even if it came from the fans, even if it came from 50,000 fans putting 20 quid into it and give them, give them free access forever more. And, and you know, spend a million pounds on it and actually come up with something that it's worthwhile visiting, you know, time after time um, and with you know, proper historians and guides and a, a proper tour and all the rest of it, rather than putting something and saying, well, look at what we've got and actually doing it on the cheap. I, I don't think that'll, I don't think that'll get past marks today. I really don't. I think people, people expect too much. Um, you know, if you go if you go anywhere, and whether it's you go to Florida or whether you go to um, the National Motor Museum in Bewley or whatever it might be, people are people are conscious of what the experience is now, and I and I don't think that Rangers want to let themselves down if they're putting in a you know a museum or a Hall of Fame. I think it needs to be top drawer. Colin, how about yourself? What was your immediate reaction to the plans that have come out this week? Uh, initially, I, f- I felt a wee bit of sadness because, uh, you know, I've got strong memories of the old uh, Emerson House, a, a workplace I used to work many, many years ago. We used to have our Christmas nights out there and it was always a great night. As I said, the ticket office was there uh, and I've, I've dogged the school many a time to go through and queue for tickets <laughs> at the old Emerson House. And I was a pools agent at one point as well, so, that, you know, I used to go through. So it was a building that... Uh, you know, I, I was I, I was in and around. There used to be a Rangers shop in it as well at one point uh, back in the 90s. And when I heard, I think it was David Murray that sold it at one point. I think he sold it to one of his, his own companies, I think. It was response handling or something. I can't quite remember. But it became a call centre. And I felt that was a bit of a, 
I thought of a heresy actually. I thought it was terrible when he'd done that, given the connection that Rangers had with that building. So quite sad to see the old one go, but uh, I think the plans that they have in place, I, 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 I agree and slightly disagree in some respects with what Stuart said. I agree that they have to do it right, but I, th- I think there is an opportunity in, in what something Stuart said there about attracting non-Rangers supporters. So, you know, Rangers are, are pretty well linked to the city centre through the subway and stuff like that. So if they if they do it properly, and you have to remember, you know, you'll have away supporters coming over from Europe for ties against us. You'll also have uh, supporters coming over for, for ties against Celtic, who you could attract, say, you know, mm-hmm. 10 minutes on the subway, you know, £10 to get in, that'll pass your afternoon and there's a bar here and so the, 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 but it has to be done right you know what I mean it's, if the, I think that I've, I've been to the Hamden Museum a couple of times and it's, it's pretty decent uh, if, if they get it right and they put stuff of, of genuine interest in there and, and they make the experience a good one well one Rangers supporters will use it you know they'll use it on match day they'll use it in summer holidays and stuff like that for the kids uh, but you can also pull in supporters or tourists who are not or who are non-ranger supporters, and I think you know the the transport links that, that the Ibrox has to to the city centre. I think that gives us something over any other stadium in the city. You know what I mean? It's literally if you're in the city centre, you jump on that subway within ten minutes you're at Ibrox, and for for a fairly cheap fare as well. So uh, if they do it right, if they market it right, I, I did notice. Uh, a while ago, I was I was getting off a train at Queen Street, and they've got all the leaflets, you know, things to do in the city. And there was a pamphlet there for Celtic, and, you know, come and get a stadium tour, and there's a shop here, and, and nothing for Rangers. And I just thought you're missing a trick here. So if they if they if they invest the money wisely, if they, they do everything up the way it should be done, and it's all sort of uh, you know top class, and if they've they've done the research and they know how to make it work and attract people who... They are going to attract Rangers supporters. Of course, we're going to go there. If you tell me there's a brand spanking new replica European Cup Winners Cup in there, I'm there. You know what I mean? These are the things that I want to see, but you can also pull in folk who are non-Rangers supporters. Glasgow you know, pulls in a lot of tourists, and, and we could we could get our, our cut of that. We could get some of the footfall from that. So, But as I said earlier, it has to be done right. If they try and do it, as Stuart said earlier, on the cheap, then it, it won't work. It has to be a, a, a quality experience. I think that's a very good way of looking at it, actually, is is the market that Glasgow offers and, and ensuring that you tap into that market is is crucially important. And I think this is where it comes down again to the role of um, James Bisgrove uh, and the amount of times that I mentioned him on the show. Everyone's probably thinking that I'm, I'm his biggest fan, but I do think he's, he's done an exceptional job so far uh, and, and I'd hope to see that continue. Um, now, Stuart, obviously, you, I'll, I'll kind of come to you with the last word on this, um, mentioning that the experience for consumers these days is is very, very important rather than just going and visiting something and booting plaques and all the rest of it. Um, look, next year is our 150th anniversary, despite what uh, rival fans will tell you. And uh, the, the redevelopment of Emerson House is is a key part of, of that celebration. What else would you like to see the club do to commemorate that anniversary? Just, just touching on the, the just for a, a second, go back to the, the museum. I mean, you have to remember that, that whilst Ibrox is synonymous with Rangers, equally you've had 
Commonwealth Games rugby played there. You've had Jim Watt um, fighting Howard Davis um, in a, a world lightweight title. You've had Eric Liddell running there um, against you know the top Americans. So the, 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 there's another strand to this that you would actually um, you could expand that into other sports. In terms of what Rangers do for their, the, the the anniversary, again, and I'll, I'll say it again, Rangers can't really scrimp on this one. They can't do this on the cheap. They have to be doing it in such a way that it's a, an anniversary year. Um, and, and what I will say for those that say, you know, give, the Rangers are only a couple of years old, what hatred to show for somebody who's just a, 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 a such a, a an infant or a youngster, isn't it? But anyway, um, you know, the anniversary is something that should be commemorated, but it has to be done properly. I mean, I remember when when you know the, the centenary stand uh, at Ibrooks and the whole thing about the. Uh, the European Super Cup with Ajax and, and and that kind of thing, those are the kind of glamour friendly matches or the kind of glamour challenge games that Rangers want to be playing to mark the occasion. And you want, you know, a, a series of events to mark the year rather than just a, a kind of one-off event. So again, I think it'll be, I actually think this will be something in, in tandem with what the, the development is around Ibrooks and Edmondson House. I think this is actually something that the fans will be quite judgmental on. I think this is, there's a great many people that know that such anniversaries only come round um, once, maybe once in a lifetime or once in a generation, for instance. And I think that Rangers have to do it and do it well. And I think the fans will be quite scathing on Rangers as a club and as a business if they don't do it properly because I think people it's also a chance for people to invest back into the club it's also a chance for people to show their support of the club in different ways and and I think people will only do that if it's something that's either worth seeing or worth watching. I, th- I think that's a, that's a very nice way of putting it and and what's important is that we have a generation of Rangers fans growing up who do not know or did not get to experience the success that Rangers had historically um, and that I'm sure we'll continue to have in, in the future. Um, and I don't count myself as being too far removed from that. You know, I was 20 years old when we went into administration. Um, so I supported the club through very, very successful times as a boy, but I've not really been able to carry that through into adulthood. Now you'll have the generation one below me who have kind of started following Rangers um, undoubtedly because their dad did and their granddad did, um, who won't have seen Rangers or won't be able to experience Rangers as a dominant force in Scottish and European football. And so to keep that generation, you know, interested and knowledgeable of the history of Rangers as a dominant team, I think is crucially important. And the 150th anniversary is, is the perfect time to do that to make sure that the history does live on um, in in the eyes of a generation who haven't been lucky enough to kind of witness it firsthand yet. And that's why I think there's a, a huge amount riding on um, on whatever we've got planned for next year. Uh, gents, I kind of made a wee joke at the top of the show that we would very much struggle to fill an hour with, with no Rangers football to talk about. Um, 
I can only apologise for the fact that we've managed to ramble on for an extra five minutes. Uh, so sorry to everyone who's listening who was uh, bored stiff, but I think there was some very, very interesting things to talk about there. Um, I'd like to say... I'm for us. Listen, I'd like to say, as always, a, a massive thank you to, to both Colin and Stuart for giving up their Sunday evenings to join us um, and to give us their very interesting insight. As always, uh, the show will be back next weekend, thankfully, with some football to talk about as we make our um, long-awaited reconciliation with the Tangerines of Dundee United. Um, will surely be a, a very, very interesting show and, and I'm just delighted that we can actually talk about a football match again. Um, as I say, the the uh, Jersnet is not just a podcast, but also we have a huge amount of information over on the website at www.jersnet.co.uk. Please do head over there, check it out and join the friendly discussion forum uh, where you can find all of the Jersnet podcast contributors. The only other thing to say is a, a massive thank you as always for listening. In these troubled times, please do keep safe and look after each other and have a great week.